This reminds me of that scene in Fight Club where he calls him up and Tyler Durden's chewing on some chips. Uh-huh. Uh, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Erasable Podcast. If you're a member of our Facebook group or if you've listened to a few episodes about it here before, uh, you've gotten to enjoy hack wings on the regular. If not, picture really well-matched Blackwing ferrules and erasers stuck atop your favorite non-Blackwing pencil. Our guest this week is an artist and a pro-level hack winger, Jason Patterson, mm-hmm. and your three hosts uh, will, wa- will wax uh, pencil-sophical, uh, copyright 2018 Johnny Gamber, about this and other topics. <laughs> So uh, so we do have Johnny and Tim here. Hello, guys. Hey, how's it going? Good. And uh, we also have our friend Jason Patterson. Hey, Jason. Hello. Awesome. So uh, Jason's joining us from, you are in um, uh, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, right? That's correct. Cool. That's what I thought. So uh, uh, we know him through um, friend of the show and uh, former uh, guest co-host Michael Hagen from Leadfast. Really cool. So um, yeah, let's get started. Um Jason, do you wanna do you wanna lead us in with the tools of the trade? What you're consuming, either like food wise or pop culture wise, and then also what you're writing with and writing on. Yeah, um, I guess for the consuming, I wrote down like the books I'm reading. Which oh. I guess I guess if I was thinking more about pop culture, I would have been a little bit more honest because I'm the studio work has taken taken up so much that my reading sort of regimen has died down. But so I guess I'll name the main one that I'm reading. I guess, and it's the uh, Condemnation of Blackness. It's by uh, um, Khalil Muhammad, and that is, uh, if when we get, we'll get. I'm sure we'll get to the work that I do, but it's all about Black history, and that's sort of the sort of main vein of the work that I do. And this one sort of talks about the criminal, the 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 broad sort of uh, aligning of criminality and blackness in the late 19th century and early 20th century, and it's just a really amazing breakdown of how how that process worked out. It's also a very depressing book, as you <laughs> might imagine. It's really pretty dark. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the book that is probably my main read right now. Um, as far as uh, writing in, or I guess I should say what I'm writing with. I mean, I'm, I have a, obviously, I have tons of pencils and I use a different one every day, but the one I'm most excited about is the, um, is uh, the general's uh, drafting pencil that I've hack winged. Um, hmm. It's, you know, it's since it's, you know, the, an American hardness, it's a two, it's like, feels like a 2B, but, you know, that's not super soft compared to like a Japanese one. So it's, I really like that balance and I, I love the, de- the design of it. I like the round barrel and the sort of dark maroon color. Um, so that's what I'm pretty excited about right now. Also, the, the core is real thick. Mm. I think it's kind of, I really like that. Um, mm-hmm. And writing with, or writing on is, um, I just got one of those red dot uh, electrums, and uh, oh, yeah, it's nice. nice. The paper is different than I usually use their grid, and it's definitely different. Um, it's a little slicker, sort of like a Rodia, um, but it still still does does the job. Um, I always have uh, the Field Notes Illinois State Fair in my pocket. Yeah, and I did just get not too long ago the Midori 10th anniversary. Uh, notebook with a with it has some real weird margins and grids like the grid doesn't even it's just weird it's almost like they're used because they don't touch the top of the grid and they're like Hmm. uh, like half a millimeter i think um 
but the margins are really cool. It's such a amazing minimally designed book. The pages are like almost trans or I mean, they are translucent, but they still, I mean, they can take a fountain pen. They can, um, yeah, it's a really nice, yeah. nice book. Do you use the whole Midori system or do you just kind of use the booklets by themselves? This is the, uh, the only other thing I've ever had of theirs is the, um, the pencils. Um, so I do, I do have the book and then I bought the little, uh, the book cover that comes with it. Hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, it's so delicate and well-designed that it's like, it makes me nervous on like how I think I, I was like, you have to write every, write and draw everything so perfectly or you'll ruin it. <laughs> so, <laughs> which yeah. you think would be discouraging, but it's actually encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pressure's on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Johnny, how about you? So um, I just reread a book called Full Circle, A South American Journey by Luis Sepulveda, who was a Chilean writer. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember the old Moleskine website before it was all, you know, flashy and shoppy looking. They used to, you know, have little snippets from movies where they were like, oh, look, Amelie had a Moleskine, which she didn't. And they quote it extensively from the song lines by Bruce Chatwin, and they quote it from this book because he and Bruce Chatwin met and they planned to go to Patagonia and then Bruce Chatwin died, so Louis Sepulveda went down there, and then he wrote a book about it. And part of it was he talked about the moleskin he was writing in from Chatwin and stuff like that. And it was just, it's really, really, really cool book. It's a quick read, uh, but I think it's out of print. Hmm. So there's that hitch. But I think you can get it used on Amazon for a couple bucks. So it's definitely worth checking out. And I read The Happiness Project, finally, which was like one of the worst books I've ever read in my life. I feel like I shouldn't talk about it or quote it. So, (laughs) you know, there's a difference between being able to quote Aristotle and understanding Aristotle. (laughs) This book was like full of like experts say that blank with no citations. So we just have to trust this lady that, you know, even introverts get a charge out of being around other people. Like, no, we don't. (laughs) That's not what that word means. (laughs) Like, I I don't understand how this book was printed and bought a million times so <laughs> i guess it's a pretty small chance that the author listens to this podcast but like that book would just sucked so hard like, if you're, if you're well we just lost a listener it, thanks johnny yeah. <laughs> now i've got seven left yeah feel really bad yeah, but yeah so uh <laughs> i'm also re-watching downton abbey which is another sunny thing to do but downton abbey doesn't suck so there's that and uh, in honor of our guest, I'm running with a hack-winged Wopex. But oh. we did talk about this later because I can't get the damn feral to stick on there. I wonder <laughs> so why. I'm looking for some, yeah. Yeah, looking for some insider <laughs> info. Glue is no match for glue. Yeah. <laughs> Glue's no match for like, like a, whatever that's made of. Wopex just like rejects glue, just like pushes it away. <laughs> I don't know. I'm afraid to <laughs> put super glue on that popping off the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> might kill my kids. With the Wopex like. Up. Eats the feral when you put it on, just gets absorbed into the pencil. Jason, have, have you made a hack wing with uh, Wopex yet? I have not. Well, you're in for a treat. Apparently, nothing sticks to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I give up on it. So I actually have a uh, an Apsara Easy Grip. Those pencils with the weird spiral cutout, mm. but they're really cool. They have a great core. They're they're grippy. They're really pretty blue, and it matches the notebook I'm using, which is Field Notes Resolution which I wrote off when they came out as being stupid and gimmicky. But now that I tried the paper, I freaking love it. Hmm. It's got a nice vellum. It's very flexible. It's very cool. Yeah. 
So, yeah. How about you, Tim? I'm reading a couple books right now. The first one's called Mosquito Land. It's a young adult novel. Uh, like last time we recorded, I was reading a book called We Were Liars, another young adult novel. And I like them, and I, and I try to be more interested in them uh, for the sake of my students because I want to find good bridge books that will get them from reading young adult books to kind of graduating up to uh, the books they're going to read in school. So I just try to find interesting titles that – uh, just yeah, just catch my attention. This one's about a young girl whose her parents split, and you don't really know the the reason why necessarily. And her mother is living far away and is sick, and she goes on this road trip. So it's kind of like a young adult Kerouac novel, and all this crazy stuff happens on her way up north uh, on a greyhound, using a greyhound bus accident, and all this wild stuff. So, uh, and I'm enjoying that quite a bit. And the other book, which I just got today, uh, which is. One of the awesome things about uh, awesome things about pre-ordering books, especially Kindle books, which I pre-ordered this like months ago and forgot about. It just showed up today, and it was so exciting. It's a new book from Michael Shabon, my favorite writer. Uh, it's called Pops, Fatherhood and Pieces, and it's a collection of six essays about fatherhood. It's kind of a follow-up to Manhood for Amateurs, the book he put out five or six years ago, whenever that was. And so far, it's great. I read the introduction and halfway through the first essay in there. And his writing just blows my mind every time I read it. His sentences just make my jaw drop. I think he's uh, the best best writers out there today. And I, I'm not that far into it, but I, I will always recommend anything that he's, he's uh, writing. And it also is one of those amazing moments where a book pops into your life at the perfect moment because the – the whole premise of the book, or at least based on the introduction, kind of what the, I think the essays are going to be about, is he talks a lot about being an artist and having children, hmm. and how like some of the advi- first advice he got from an uh, the advice he got from one of his favorite writers right after he published, or I guess got the deal for Mysteries of Pittsburgh, his first novel. This writer who you admired said, uh, "One piece of advice I have for you: never have kids." Having kids is the opposite of writing, <laughs> and that's that's what the uh, the introduction uh, is all about. And then, of course, Michael Chabon has like four kids or something like that, and he's written fourteen books and he's doing fine. And so, like, I think the the whole book is just kind of laying out some of those parts of his life and how he makes it work, which of course is not going to work for everybody because I think he writes from like eleven o'clock at night to four in the morning every day or something. Oh man, bonkers like that. Uh, because he doesn't have to wake up and go to work the next day. So, uh, but Tim, when you're like out when you're out here, we should uh, go to Berkeley. A, go to the typewriter store, uh, the California typewriter, and then B, go try to stalk Michael Shabon. Yes, yeah. I fully support this. Yes, <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> way ahead of you. <laughs> Been doing research for years. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I definitely <laughs> would love to meet. I met him once before. I think I've talked about it on the podcast at yeah. a yep. writing festival. So I, I just be the guy who follows up and be like, hey, remember that time I met you in that line of 600 people at that writing <laughs> festival seven years ago? And he'll be like, yep. no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> You're the young gray-haired man. Um, so. Yeah, that's that. So I recommend anything he writes. And the last thing is I've been listening to a lot of Randy Newman uh, recently, and specifically he has a new collection out, or fairly new collection out, that's called the Randy Newman Songbook, which was part of a, there are three volumes of it, but now they're all together, and it's on Spotify and all this. But he picks uh, it's like 55 or something of his favorite songs that he's written, and he re-recorded all of them with just him and piano. 
So it's a really excellent album to put on, like uh, Stray on the House, or I mean, even his his songwriting just always kind of baffles me because his songs don't fit into any mold whatsoever. And everybody thinks of Randy Newman, you think you've got a friend in me from mm. Toy Story, but he's got such a rich catalog. And I and I found it because I had been listening to the, the album Sail Away like on loop over and, and I, over and over again. When I think of him, I kind of just think of Thomas Newman's uncle. Because <laughs> I he's love Tom- Thomas Newman. Wait, yeah, I'm pretty he's, sure he's, he's, they're related. That's, that's insane. And they're not okay. the only ones. There's like a bunch of Newmans that Paul, are... Com- Paul that Newman? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but, but this family of Newmans, like Thomas Newman did... He, I mean, my favorite is the Road to Perdition soundtrack. Yeah. He, did, he, does, he does like all Sam Mendes' movies. It did Shawshank Redemption, and I never made that connection. So that's that's really cool. That, that's awesome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I blew my mind there a little bit, but uh, yeah. Mm. So I, I totally recommend it. Fifty five songs. It's just him and piano, so it's uh, really cool. Check it out. And I am writing with a Norwing, which is a twenty fourteen black uh, Stateler Norica, with a feral taken straight off of a Blackwing one. So the silver feral and a one of the kind of navy blue erasers that i've been using for the last couple days so nice. that's my hack wing of choice tonight and i'm uh, writing in a cold ddc field notes the red white and blue nice. which <laughs> is one of my one of my all-time favorites and i've i've got a handful i've got like three or four left and so i'm i'm i waited until summer to <laughs> to carry this one around in a pocket that wasn't gonna get destroyed at school so <laughs> Very excited to, to use that. Yeah. How about you, Andy? Well, um, I am um, listening to a very interesting but strange podcast series called Sandra. Have any of you heard of this? No. It is um, by the the by Gimlet Media, who make uh, Reply All podcast and that podcast that Starley Kine had for a while. Uh, the mystery those two show. kids podcast I talked about. The, those kids <laughs> podcast, yeah, they're just <laughs> taking over podcasting for better or for mm-hmm. worse. But this is a um, they're dabbling in fiction, so they're almost like little short twenty minute radio plays. And Sandra, Sandra is a um, a mystery a product by a big tech company that is a little like black cylinder that like you ask Sandra questions and she answers them. It's basically an Alexa. Um, and the conceit, which I don't think is a spoiler, is that there are like people behind that. Like, there's actually people talking for Sandra, like through Sandra, and it's just about one of the one of the people who do that. And um, Kristen Wiig does the voice of Sandra, so it's kind of her her voice, but with like a flat kind of robotic tone. And is then, that distracting? I'm just curious. <laughs> like with, and, with Kristen Wiig, she actually like does a re she does it very neutral. Like it's kind of amazing. Um, okay, it's not distracting. I was really surprised. And then uh, Ali Shawkat from um, maybe from Arrested Development and from other things, but probably best known mm-hmm. from Arrested Development. She is the uh, main character. So uh, it's pretty good. I've been listening to it on my way to work when I'm just like kind of tired, and I find that like yeah, the the radio play like the fiction of it is really kind of perks me up so i'm i'm into it um i think it's a what's a little weird is whenever they do an ad read um they like all of the ad reads are these little stories in and of themselves with like these fake virtual assistants and i think that sounds (laughs) weird and dumb they haven't quite figured that out yet but (laughs) it also it all still sounds very experimental like people are just playing around with like serialized podcast radio plays um 
Also, after inspired by um, uh, by Donald Glover on Saturday Night Live, uh, Katie and I binged Atlanta, all ten episodes of that from uh, FX, his TV show um, that just uh, I think it just ended a little while ago. Um, but it's it's really good. I forgot how much I liked Donald Glover after Community ended because I really just sort of like lost, you know, lost touch with him. Like I we weren't mm. in touch, but I like lost lost sight of him. Um, and so when he was on SNL, it was just really fantastic. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing him in Star Wars. Oh, um, gosh, I can't wait. I mean, that, that casting was so obvious. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it would have been like, I mean, it was almost, or, or even more so than when they casted, um, oh, gosh, I'm going to forget his name. Um, who played Che in the Che movie that looks just like him, the famous? Oh, um, not Antonio Banderas. Um Benicio del Toro. Benicio del Toro. Del yes. Toro. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It, just like as soon as I heard that Donald Glover was going to play Lando Calrissian, I was like, "Of course, of course he is." Yeah. <laughs> like that's incredible. There's no other option. There's no yeah. one else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, we're thinking about watching the community, rewatching Community now, just because he's just so fantastic. Um, just you saying that makes me want to do that because oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched it in years. Yeah. yeah. So we, uh, we, never, we never finished it either. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Atlanta's really great. It's like. It's a comedy, but it's not like a tradition. It's like a low key comedy, right? Like there's like it's it has these like humorous, very like dry moments. I think Donald Glover's very dry, and there's these like little tiny moments that are kind of like like little jokes that are really funny. Like like in this universe, um, Justin Bieber is black, <laughs> and it's just like he goes to this like celebrity basketball game in Atlanta and. Justin Bieber comes in and he's like, everybody's like, oh man, look, it's Justin Bieber. Like, can you believe him? And I'm just like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> and then there's this other person who just like shows off for all his friends and he, he has, he's posted on Instagram about how he has this invisible car. And he's like, oh man, he's got this invisible car. It's amazing. And Donald Glover's character is just like, dude doesn't have a car. He's, <laughs> it, he doesn't have an invisible car. He just has nothing. It's a joke. He walked and, here. Yeah. And then later, then later, like they're all hanging around a parking lot and, the guy drives by and you just see him like hovering off the ground in like a sitting position and the car just <laughs> peeling yeah, off. It's, it's really sort of uh, impressive how they incorporate that magic realism into yeah, the show. Yeah. It's so good. I'm uh, I, I missed it when it was like on, I don't have cable. So I kind of waited for everything to come to Hulu. Um, Where did you watch? Is it on Hulu? It's on Hulu. Ooh, good to know. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so I'm looking forward to season two, Donald Glover. I could definitely tell the skits on that SNL episode that Donald Glover wrote. Cause like, He's just uh, so much, just so much different than, than everybody else there. <laughs> that was like one of the best episodes in a long, long time. But the uh, the Barbie intern oh, one was really, oh gosh, was really so good. good. <laughs> and like the customer service, the police customer service, or the uh, prison customer service uh-huh. thing. Yeah, jeez, that's uh, ridiculous. <laughs> and then I, I'm reading. I just digged it. I just started digging into this book that I'm going to talk about a little bit in Fresh Points. And uh, I am writing with one of those um, those tiny, tiny write notepads with an oyster on it. Um, it's like an inch and a half by two, three inches or something. Um, I like it a lot, but apparently I'm I've just been told this is a uh, a scarce uh, a scarcity. So I'm going to try to like write small and only use one page. <laughs> yes, and in, in, in Baltimore we had an er, an R to oyster. It's oyster, oyster, like oyster roast, oyster roast. Hey, yeah. Han, I got your the oyster thing. roast. That was good. Man. Thanks. I learned a lot from him. Literally everything I know about Baltimore <laughs> accents I got from Johnny. 
Yeah, I grew up in Hamden. That's a pretty good uh, reference. <laughs> and Randy Actually, Newman has a song called Baltimore too. It's on that. He? It's on that. It's on that album. Yeah, let's do it. Does he do? Does he do a good Baltimoreese? No. Sounds he'd like be, he's from Louisiana. That's what he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then I apparently I'm a jerk because I'm the only one not writing with a hackwing. So, uh, sorry, Jason. <laughs> just That's lie, okay. man. Yeah. Jeez. It's a, it's a Palomino HB just past the Steinbeck stage, um, and then I put a a cap on nice. little metal cap on the end as an extender. Um, I should be using one of my um, 100 custom pencils from CW Pencils I'm going to talk about in a second to write with, but I can't even look at those right now. So <laughs> I'm so tired of them. Cool. Uh, yeah, let's step into fresh points, and once we get through those, we'll jump into our main topic. But um, Jason, you have a, a fresh points. Yeah, I guess I guess it's I kind of did cover it at the beginning, hmm. but um, I really like that Lectrum 1917 uh, red dot and the Midori 10th anniversary gridded margin notebook. Um, the Midori, I should, I think I'll talk about because I like it better. Not to say, not to say that the Electrum is, isn't, isn't wonderful, but what's cool about it is, um, I mean, you're, they're really meant to take that, to have that, um, sort of cover around them, but they still work fine without it. But the spine is exposed. Um, Hmm. so it's like, it looks like if you had a hard, like a, like a, uh, hardcover book and you just ripped off the uh the the hardcover and so you have that sort of like uh it almost looks like gauze but it's just like the book binding tape but it's really nice mm. and it lays flat amazingly and like i said the papers i mean it's translucent or it's, i wouldn't say it's super translucent i mean it is but it's more of just not opaque yeah yes and uh yeah, it's just really, it's really nice. It makes me, like I was saying earlier, want to write better <laughs> and take my time. Are you a fountain pen user at all? Um, I was. <laughs> I, I mean, I really like mm-hmm. getting into uh, Mike Hagen, getting me into pencils has just ruined yes. me with fountain pen. <laughs> like, like I, I should I should tell the story about how he came in. I work at uh, Art Cupid's Art Supply Store in Urbana, mm-hmm. Illinois, and uh, he came in one day and was like, I think he was buying like a Baron fig or something. And he was talking about pencils and stuff, but, uh, and I was super into only fountain pens. I was like, are you into fountain pens? He was just like, nah, no, <laughs> no, man. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, Oh, and you know, he, he always would come and he was showing me pencils like, Oh, pencils. That's neat. <laughs> and, and now, now it's, it's just, I don't use anything else. <laughs> <laughs> when you fall, you fall hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah beautiful that's awesome <laughs> mike hagan converting the world he also like converted like a barista or something that he he sees a lot yeah he's the <laughs> the best advocate for it <laughs> cool uh any other fresh points jason um i think that's all that i can think i mean i'm sure there are probably a million things but i'm just yeah. not thinking of them now no worries <laughs> we can always we can always uh just jump back to it of course Johnny, how about you? Well, while we're talking about Baltimore, there's a new notebook company in Baltimore, which is pretty awesome. It's called Wonder Books, one word. Mm. Um, so do you guys remember the last sticker pack that Write Notepads did where like one is an oil can? Mm-hmm. And they were you know, really vintage looking. That was done by an intern who is the guy who founded this notebook company. And so far as I can tell, he's the only employee and he makes them all himself. So that's they're pretty re- cool. They're really cool. I see he's using um he's using the the butcher 
the butcher orange and the butcher extra blue paper from uh french paper company yeah he sent me some samples and so he's a stand-up comic and they have a book called the comic companion which is a book that would be very useful if you were a stand-up comic it's got a lot of sections in it that I guess would make more sense to me if I were a stand-up comic. But <laughs> it's the um, orange butcher paper, but there's a cardboard backing in between two layers of it, so it's super stiff with a side spiral. And then there's a blue one that I guess must be a special edition, but there's one. It's called the Wonder Books 1. It's butcher blue, and it has those sort of string tabs like um, – like an intra-office envelope would have, mm-hmm. but you have to rip off a tab to open the notebook. So the notebook's sort of like sealed before you get it, hmm. which is pretty cool. And the paper is really, really lightly dot gridded. And there's a, a little, I guess it's an envelope or a folder or something in the back that is stiff and holds stuff you want to put it in. Hmm. So they're pretty cool. There's not a lot of information on their website. So I'm going to do a better, bigger write-up for Pencil Revolution after I talk to to um the gentleman a little bit i don't know if he wants his name named mm-hmm. but um yeah lo- they're pretty cool i love how kind of like for lack of a better word like messy the um like the letter pressing is like i'm looking at the comic companion and there's like a little bit of um like bleed through from the black print um on the on the orange part and it just looks really nice i'm i the the moment i saw your fresh your fresh points uh johnny about this i went to their website and i just ordered one of each of these um so they yeah have, they're really small yeah like in person in a good way yeah they haven't come yet so i'm i can't wait to see what they are but yeah they're they look super good it, it's kind of like this is i don't know if the, this is like the you know the quite the right way to to describe it but it's kind of like um right notepads like turned up to 11 like it's a little bit less polished than right notepads are but i think in a like in a good way yeah, they're um the feel of them with the way they're really stiff and the um the spirals a little loose makes them feel like something I would have found in my dad's briefcase in like the eighties in the army. Hmm. Besides those, you know, standard memorandum books yeah. that I always stole from him. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I, the uh, we'll see we'll see what's up with um Wonder Books too, hopefully soon. I definitely support this um this like burgeoning, like independent Baltimore notebook scene. Yeah, man, not just murder. <laughs> not just murder anymore. <laughs> and then there's this awkward silence. Like, should we laugh at that? Yeah. <laughs> no, there's oh, a sticker Baltimore. here that, that looks like um, the Reading Rainbow logo, and it says, Baltimore, there's more than just murder here. Just <laughs> true. Yeah, there's, cool cra- there's crabs and there's food. notebooks. Actually, the, the, our crabs are from the, um, the Gulf. Our crab supply is pretty dead in the yeah. Bay. Sad face. Yeah. But um, also in new notebooks, you guys have seen the Computer World notebooks from Baron Fig. Mm-hmm. They're so mm-hmm. damn pretty in person. They're um, if folks haven't seen them, it's a boxed set of their flagship size. Um, what do they call the soft cover notebooks? The Vanguards. Vanguard. Vanguards. Yeah. Yeah, I drew a blank. Thank you. And it comes with a set of stickers, and they're divided into software, data, and hardware for the you know the different ways that computers work together and the pages are lined but there's some sort of <clears throat> formatting for coding that I don't understand because I don't know how to code but it's really really light it's sort of just like kind of there to be there so you can just use them as a lined notebook hmm. and 
So, I mean, I've given Baron Fig crap before because their quality control one that I, they, um, what do they call that notebook? The Apprentice was out, was not very great. Yeah, like the stitching the was awesome. Are, yeah, but I, I seriously missed those little books. They were awesome. But these notebooks are like almost damn perfect. It's kind of freaky. Like the spines are perfect. The stitching is perfect. The cuts are all perfect. They look so good. I'm kind of loath to write in them, so... I'll just like let my kids bend them up and then I'll write in them. Oh man, mm-hmm. speak, speaking of Baron Fig, I wish that we could talk about the new Squire coming out. But I thought of you immediately when when that uh we're, <laughs> when I saw that email. It's like Andy. <laughs> we're probably gonna yeah. publish before the embargo's lifted, so we'll have to save that for another day. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And that involves a friend of ours. Yes, yes. I think that's, that's awesome. I think we can say that mm-hmm. much. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So, yeah, these just came out on their website, so they should still be in stock. So if you want some really colorful and really cool notebooks, go check them out. I it, swear these feel thicker than their usual ones somehow. It's interesting because the so the the ruling is so that the lines are numbered and there's like four or five like dot grids like on them, is that right? Mhm. Uh so it's yeah. like it's basically set up to do coding like with a pen and paper. Because yep. like your code, your code, like your tabs really matter in code, and of course like the line numbers do. But like, who the hell wants to code on paper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they did a really good job of not making that too dark. It almost looks yeah. like, um, it looks like it's printed on a page that's underneath of it, and you can just see through it a little bit. It's that light. Yeah. So they did a good, they really really good job on these. I feel like they're like on a crazy roll, and I don't know how they're keeping up with themselves. With the cool stuff they're putting out. Yeah. Well, and, uh, uh, I haven't seen any archers yet, so I'm reserving my judgment. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This last, what was the last one? The, um, the school pencil, those were so pretty. And the yeah. prisms were so pretty. Yeah. yeah. So um, I only have one more fresh point, and that's that I finally made a, f- a uh, Pencil Revolution Instagram account because my own Instagram is just pictures of like flowers and kids. Mm <laughs> hmm. So this is just all pencils. So it's at Pencilution, just like my Twitter. <laughs> Shameless self-plug. <laughs> <laughs> cool. How about you, Mr. Tim? Well, uh, first thing I was going to bring up, which I know a lot of people have probably seen by now, because this is a, a couple weeks ago, is that uh, Caroline Weaver <laughs> and CW Pencils found themselves on Fox Business uh, Network. Did you all see this? <laughs> Yeah, clip. Yeah, um, which for me, first thing I'm just going to talk about, which is not about, you know, is just seeing uh, Caroline talk like yeah. on video was like mind blowing to me because I'm I've never met her. <laughs> I've talked to oh, her yeah. on on the podcast so many times, but I've never been to the store, so that was kind of cool. I was like, hey, there she is. That's that's, that's who <laughs> I've talked to all those times. It's kind of like if I, I if I saw a video of Andy talking, it would blow my mind too. But I don't even want to see it because I want to save it for the. Yay. For the first experience, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't want to wait for my life to be over. Exactly my point. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, well said. That was beautiful. Did you make that up? Yeah. I, I did. <laughs> yeah, I got, you've got a gift. Um, yeah. So uh, on Fox Business, it's like a, I guess like a small business. Uh, focus that they did and they had Caroline on to talk about pencils and talked about a lot of the things that you know she talked about with us but it was super cool to see her like on TV it's so bizarre and she brought I love she brought the little uh, 
tall glass cups of pencils to like set around the desk and and even <laughs> like one of the one of the goes picked one up and was like smelling it and like okay that's a it's a good starting point we've got something to got something to work with here but um the entire thing was kind of centered around this New York Post report that showed that 87% of millennials value handwritten notes over the other means of communication, which I did not read that in the New York Post. Probably still won't, but... <laughs> I question that. I question I that I heavily. Yeah. I, like, heavily question that. Like, I... <laughs> Um, the New, the New York Post and Fox News always gets their sources right, though. So I guess yeah, if they said true. it, we have to yeah. They're trustworthy. They check their facts but, and then they check them again. Like eighty seven percent of millennials on one street in Brooklyn, yeah, <laughs> value handwritten notes over other means of maybe something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, eighty seven percent of customers at CW Pencils. Or, um, <laughs> yeah. That's even that, percent. I'm like, surely more than. 13% of the people who buy pencils there are like still spending all their time on a computer. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a crazy number. I hope it's true. That'd be amazing. Yeah. But, uh, but, um, but it was just super awesome to see Caroline on there. I was so happy for her to be, have that kind of uh, exposure and then to hear someone on national television talking about the tactile experience of writing <laughs> was, <laughs> was absolutely awesome. <laughs> so made me so happy. So, uh, big congrats to, CW pencils for that exposure, and I hope it just like keeps doubling and tripling the amount of attention they're getting for all the awesome stuff they're doing. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to bring up was the announcement from Blackwing that they're now doing customized pencils on Blackwings themselves. That's so bananas. Yeah, which I would never have, I never would have expected that. But if in my mind, if I had sat there and been like, I wonder what it would be like if they did customized Blackwings, I would say, man, they'd probably make you order an unreasonable amount and they would <laughs> yep, cost yeah. a ton of money. <laughs> sure enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they, they're <laughs> doing custom black wings, the three kind of flagship models. And uh, yeah, you have to order a thousand. So in my head, that means uh, there's no price listed on the website, but I am guessing that's a minimum of, it's gotta so, be a minimum of $2,000 so, to order. So yeah. Nic Nicholas Sese from the, um, uh -huh. from Blackwing, he waited on a discussion in the, in the group and okay. he, he said that, yeah, they're going to be about two bucks a, a pencil, which is like that's... a discount from buying like, you know, like a dozen Blackwing yeah. pencils, but not that but much. you have to order a thousand. <laughs> you do. <laughs> And they're they're being prevented from being resold. So like if you're, let's say you're CW pencils and you buy a bunch that say CW pencils in them, yeah. um, you can't then sell them again. Or if you're the Erasable Podcast and you, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we could uh, do it. We could do a group order, I suppose. Yeah, I think we could get two thousand pencils out of the Facebook group. Yeah, yeah. You figure still, if, it seems um, kind of crazy if it's just writing. Yeah. Raceable podcast on the back of a Blackwing. Yeah. Well, uh, the other hitch is they only come with the um, Pearl Core. Mm, that's right. Which is my personally my least favorite of all four. Mm -hmm. Why would they do that? <laughs> I don't know. They. I mean, this would be a good way is to it, get like someone to make a thousand MMX is, pencils. So they is just it like because, pick it up. Yeah. I don't know, is it because nobody's buying pearls anymore, and so they just have tons of those cores that they just want to? <laughs> I think it's like an overly overly practical decision, but I feel like. <laughs> I, I thought it was just maybe because it's like in the middle, right? Like if they could only do, let's say they have the capacity only to do like one core right now, like that's the middle mm -hmm. one. So, yeah. yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I'm really, but, I'm really surprised they went for it because they're so protective of their brand. Like, I know that like they're not huge, huge fans of the idea of Hackwings over there at 
at Blackwing. Um, but I think that they know that people are really like interested and engaged with it. So, and, and like we here on the podcast have never tried to like confuse, you know, the Blackwing brand for the Hackwing brand. I mean, there is no Hackwing brand. I think Jason, you're as close to a Hackwing brand as we have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, always, I always feel like that I'm probably pissing them off. <laughs> That's um, right. But like, they're I'm, doing fine. I'm really like right. they, yeah, they wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> like they they don't let retailers like customize their pencils um, if they're mm-hmm. if they offer that that service. So um, I just always thought it was something they didn't want to do, like like sully the the Blackwing brand or whatever. But I, I mean, gl- I guess I'm glad they're doing it. I, I hope they eventually take the minimums yeah. down. <laughs> I, I hope it works for them. It seems like a, I mean, it's just a crazy number to yeah. have to do. So. Um, I, I can't imagine orders are flying in, but I, I hope they are for their yeah. sake. But I mean, a thousand is just, that's a lot of pencils. That's a um, lot of pencils. A, like a minimum order of two grand. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope it works, but yeah. anyways, it was, but it's still, it's just a cool kind of new thing to see, see them trying something new, mm-hmm. but uh, I just wish it was a little more accessible for people to do. I mean, I think of members of the, uh, uh, what's it called? Pencil Society, what's it called? The uh, American Pencil National, Collector Society. Yeah, American uh, Pencil Collector Society. For them to be able to do this for their mm-hmm. custom pencils, to like with their name and their their number on them to give away to other people, like would be super cool. But yeah. when they <laughs> when they, you have to order more pencils than there probably are members in the <laughs> Pencil Collector Society, I don't know. And I'm sure there are more more members than that. Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, still, it's just it's a lot. Yeah. So. Anyways, that's cool. Two thousand. I like that when you when you click the drop down menu for number of pencils, one thousand is the automatic number, but then it goes all the way up to twenty five twenty five thousand. <laughs> Let let's just order that. We'll we'll, we'll sell hey, them later. Uh anybody want to order fifty thousand dollars worth of pencils to give away for free? You're not allowed to sell them. <laughs> yeah. Um it's just like Yeah. Dang. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. That's all I've got. But um uh, well, s- speaking of a lot of pencils, uh, has anybody here ever sharpened fifty to sixty pencils in a row? Uh, I actually did. Have you? <laughs> but I didn't. But see, I was wise and I didn't use my hand. I used an electric sharpener. See, that's what I should have done. I, I don't own an electric pencil sharpener, but I, thinking back on this this afternoon, <laughs> I should have probably bought one. Um, so no. <laughs> I'm. Uh, Why didn't you just use a classroom friendly? Instead of what you're about to tell us that you used. <laughs> I really, I didn't want to like, you know, sharpen them down that far. I just wanted to like give a, just a short point on it. Um, plus I didn't want to deal with teeth marks. Plus I didn't want to wrap a post-it note around them all. So uh, yeah, this is my own sense. damn fault is what I'm saying. <laughs> so, so I, I just <laughs> did sharpen. I sharpened 50 to 60 of them and Katie sharpened like 40 of them. I have a hundred of them total. Uh, and <laughs> these are personalized pencils for, um, I think I talk about this every year when we do it. Um, me and friend of the show, Michael Betts, also a, um, an Illinois native, um, he and I do co, um, co-host a workshop at a conference that we go to, and that's coming up next week. And it's about interface writing. We talk about voice and tone and like how your product like interface takes on, a, takes on a personality. And what we do is we take half the pencils and we, we have Find Your Voice stamped on them, and we have half the pencils with Watch Your Tone stamped on them. And <laughs> we... We hand them out to workshop participants. Um, it's a really, really big workshop this year. Usually it's like, you know, 30 to 40 people. We have 77 people in the workshop. Dang. So we made 100 of them at CW Pencils. Um, Alex 100 helped, of each? No, 100 total. So 50 each. Okay. 
So okay. um, Alex helped us pick out um, a color scheme. We went with this like plum purple and this gray color, and then copper uh, foil stamped on them. They look really great. Um, and so, so uh, the trouble is, is what kind of pencil? There, it's probably just a Musgrave. I think it's an okay. un- unbranded, just hex pencil. Gotcha. Um, they're not great, but they're not terrible. Um, sure, it's pretty good. I, out of all hundred of those, I only had two that have like a shattered core or something that I couldn't sharpen. But um, <laughs> they, they what they don't do is uh, CW pencils doesn't like get them sharpened, so they are unsharpened. And I don't want to make the workshop participants sharper, sharpen them, so I do that. I do that myself. And the <laughs> I was using for a while one of those rachettas that I got from Jet Pens, mm-hmm. and they're so like crank sharpeners. Yeah, the, like cr- the crank sharpeners. And the trouble is, is it's kind of cheap and plastic. And I was like, I really just need something that holds up. The best, like, thickest short point sharpener I have is the brass bullet sharpener on my keychain. <laughs> but so I like gripped that for fifty to sixty pencils being sharpened worth. And <laughs> let me tell you that my where my hand was holding the little like metal neurals, it is sore. <laughs> so I bet I don't yeah, doubt it. Yeah. So Jeez. yeah, that's that's fun. I my blood, yeah, sweat, like and tears. <laughs> yeah, my blood, sweat, and tears have gone into these pencils. So I hope that the workshop participants appreciate that. Damn it. <laughs> so yeah, g- did that. Um, also, I, I guess I want to put a call out for illustrators from Plumago issue four. Um, it's cl- come along really well. We have a bunch of like really good stories. Um, there's several personal accounts of like you know creative nonfiction and memoirs. Um, and like like one guy who's written before Dan um, is writing about sort of like his recounting of his father working at IBM in the like the 1960s, which was a, a very like design oriented like um, innovative company then, and they would write their motto on pencils, and each team would have like all these pencils with like little mottos and propaganda and team sayings or whatever on them. He talks a little bit about that. Um, bunch of really good ones. Harry is doing an amazing job editing. Um, but we are to the point where we're starting to realize which stories would work best with some illustrations. Um, and so if you are listening to this and you are an artist, uh, an illustrator, um, get in touch. I would love it if you would be, if you contribute and um, uh, illustrate some of these stories. So uh, email me at andy at woodclinched.com uh, or you can see more information about it over at plumbago.xyz. So yeah, we can talk more about that. Uh, in the next couple of days before this podcast is released, I'll have like a, a list of um, illustration needs we're looking for. Uh, last thing I wanted to mention, um, then we'll jump into the main topic, is uh, this book that I did not even realize existed until just a few weeks ago in the Erasable group. Um, did you guys see this? The Pearson, Pearson's Graphite 2015? It's a book. Yeah, it's, it looks cool. It's no? the com- complete pencil reference for artists by somebody guy named Pearson Moore. And this guy writes, um, his, the usual things he writes are um, companion books to TV shows. So he like has written a bunch of like Lost and Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones companion books. Um, so he writes a bunch of those. He's written a few novels, a historical fiction novel, a science fiction novel. But then he also randomly wrote this this like reference guide to pencils. And it is so, so complete. Like he, he um, uh, like scientifically um, measures and charts um, stuff like lead symmetry, wood quality, paint quality, chef diameter, 
um, darkness consistency, softness consistency, licence. I don't know even know what that is. Pressure <laughs> insensitivity, blackness range. Um, just like out of all the colors, uh, all the pencils, like he has so many in here. It's incredible. Um, I hope that we can sometime get him on the, the show to talk about this. Uh, he pencils sorted by softness to dark darkness ratio. Um, <laughs> MSD. I don't even know what that means. I'm just starting to kind of like page through it. So when people in the group, I think you guys have seen this, um, people in the group complain about how there's like not a scientific comparison between different pencils. Like, like, Oh, people are just giving their opinions. They're not like doing a, you know, double blind study or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> they should read this book. It's, it's like over the top. So yeah, um, pick it up. It's on Amazon. I'll have a link in show notes. Cool. And I guess, ver- uh, I guess I do have one more thing to mention just a plug for our friends over at the RSVP podcast. Um, episode 28 just came out and uh, they had Lenore was not able to join so they had a co-host who was amazing guest co-host uh, it was me spoilers um, <laughs> <laughs> we talked a lot about uh, just <laughs> reading and taking notes in your books we talked about the difference between like you know reading on a Kindle and in a book storing books things like that um, less less who's kind of like involved in the like lesbian uh, romantic fiction uh, writers community talks about like this one writer who's trying to like she trademarked the word cocky and is now sending cease and desist letters to any romance writers who um, uh, use cocky in their <laughs> in their their book titles <laughs> it's pretty funny so I'll have a link to RSVP in show notes but if you don't know RSVP you should definitely listen to it because they're amazing All right. Well, we are we're gonna have a a conversation with our friend Jason Patterson, uh, Master Hackwinger. Um, do you prefer Hackwing Master or do you prefer Master Hackwinger? Um, you know, neither. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a it's a uh, it's a starting industry. So one day when people get certified in Hackwinging, you will be uh, giving out the certifications. I I assume so. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, you. Yeah, you told us a little bit about your um, kind of like origin to pencils, but I, I'd love to know a little bit more about your, you know, your bo- your background. Um, how did you get into uh, art in general, and also into art, art supplies, which presumably led to led to this? Right. Well, so I've, I mean, I've been doing art since I was a kid. Um, like, uh, so this is always what I've done and what I've, you know, uh, expected that would be my life would be. Um, uh, as far as getting into art supplies is I've, for about 13 years, I've worked at the local art supply in Urbana called Art Coop. Um, and that's sort of kind of opened the door for me with, uh, I mean, more so, I mean, before I worked there, I mean, I was using art supplies, so I was actually buying them from there. Um, but uh, it's sort of like given me access to pretty much everything and given me the ability to mess around with things that... Uh, I'm never going to use in my own practice, but at least I can have a little fun when I'm getting tired of what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. Could you tell us about the art that you work on regularly? Like what's your regular yeah. art that you are uh, into and what like, or and even on top of that, like in general, but also like, what are you working on right now? So in general, my work is about, uh, um, it's a, it's, it's history painting in the, in the figurative term. I mean, literally I rarely paint, um, 
like physically with paint. The work that I do, I use mostly use the imagery is made with pastel and they look like paintings, um, but they're really drawings. Um, it's all grounded in uh, um, black history, um, American, African-American history. Um, and kind of the goal in the artwork that I do is try to sort of tell the story, stories that are missing in the general understanding of the American narrative. Cause I mean, vastly more than half of the, the sort of subjugation and oppression of African-Americans is not, you know, a standard thing in school and not framed correctly. And that's basically what I, what I try to do with my work. Um, what I'm working on right now is I'm having a small show in Chicago next month. Um, and it's in a sort of a house gallery. It's essentially the concept is when people have a home space that actually can be converted into a gallery. So they do that. My friend, uh, Megan Diddy, um, is, I knew her cause she got her MFA here in Champaign-Urbana at the university of Illinois. Um, and she's sort of curating it and working, putting it together with me, but, uh, sort of going back to what I was saying with the work that I make, it's, uh, I mostly focus on history, but a lot of it is connecting history with problems and issues that happen today. Um, the, the series that I'm going to show in the show is about the sort of the superhumanization of African-Americans um, in the sense that where there's this sort of notion that you, there's evidence throughout history of African-Americans are stronger. We're more um, sort of uh, can withstand pain better. And basically these are sort of all of these assumptions that were created consciously and unconsciously to justify oppression specifically with enslavement. Um, and it, you see it from, uh, I think the earliest example that I'll be sort of highlighting in the show is from 1602, where a where a um, what like this European uh, this uh, Dutch explorer was in uh, was in Guinea and on the on the coast of uh, the west coast of Africa, and uh, he witnessed these African women giving these water births, um, and they would have the children, and then a day later, you know, there was a good birth, and they would be back to work. His perspective of this was like this amazing and crazy thing that they were able to do that and not like he describes women, women in Europe almost die, but these women are fine. And instead hmm. of thinking like, hmm, that's a positive, he thought, well, that just means they're more like animals. Hmm. So you have that and then you can hmm. fast forward it to, to today where when, uh, when you have the uh, uh, killing of Mike Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, Darren Wilson describes Mike Brown as when he grabbed Mike Brown's arm, he felt like uh, a child holding on to Hulk Hogan's arm. And you're talking about a man mm -hmm. who, Mike Brown was weighed much more than him. He weighed 70 pounds more than him, but they're the same height. They're, so they're roughly the same size. He's a trained police officer. This is an 18 year old kid, but he describes him as being Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And so, the, so and I, you know, and, and there's, there's examples in between that. And so I'm taking, I think five or six that I've found yeah. and sort of presenting that to sort of like say like, show this trend and show how it still exists. And that's kind of what I try to do with the work that I work that I make. I mean, did, did you uh, focus at all on um, who's the, who's the guy who invented anesthesia, who would like perform surgical experiment on like, like enslaved women without anesthesia. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, J Marion Sims is his name apparently. Right. And they yeah. just removed his statue. Right. I think in New York, right? Yeah. I was yeah. just remembering that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he yes he's been i didn't want to uh use him in this because i feel like 
you know, other people are already doing that for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but yes, absolutely. That's a perfect example of it. Yeah. It's cool. So, um, you talked a little bit about meeting Mike Hagen at the art shop and that he got you into pencils, but you know, what was it about pencils that grabbed you, that got you like super into pencils? Like, why yes. did you listen to Hagen? Yeah. <laughs> so like I mentioned before, I was really into fountain pens. It's all I used. And, um, part of the reason, cause I liked, I like the, I actually like how they, you need maintenance and you have to take care of them. And it's a hobby. It's not just like this tool you can just grab and don't have to think about. Um, but the thing with fountain pens is they're kind of expensive. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and pencils aren't. And I, especially with, with like this, the, the hack winging of, of these pencils, I really can, um, that sort of replaced that idea of, of maintaining fountain pens. Um, they're cheaper. Um, they, I, I like, I like the, like the sharpening of it. I like the writing of it. I like, you know, going in and out of different hardnesses and different pencils and all that, and that, that kind of thing, but it's, you know, cheap. <laughs> um, the, uh, what really, like I was sort of gradually going through, like, like transitioning from fountain pens to pencils. And the one thing that I kept sticking on is, well, pencils aren't permanent fountain pens. I mean, either are fountain pens technically, but it's, but it's, uh, but you know, you can just erase pencil mark. And I was in Chicago and I was at the small bookstore. And one of the things I do with my work is I make these sort of like mock documents. Like I'll make like something that looks like a piece of paper from like the 1890s. And a lot of times that's because the actual paper is from the 1890s. It was just blank out of a book hmm. and I printed on it. Um, when I, so I was looking for these old books. So I found a book from 1891 and inside of it, there, there was all of these pencil, these notes written in pencil. And I was like, wait a second, this book is from 1891 and it's in this, you know, this graphite still here. Uh, and so I was like, you know, pencils are just as permanent as pens unless you erase them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, so I was like, okay, I don't have to worry about that anymore. That was like a big thing where I was like, okay, I'm really, besides the sort of like natural progression towards them, that was sort of like the, the guilt of leaving fountain pens and <laughs> it like was like gone after that. Um, so that's sort of like why I've made such a transition. I mean, they're really the, the, in sort of like when you were talking about that book about like the guide of pencils, like it's such an interesting thing to think about, like these, these companies, like, you know, like, especially like, you know, long time ago, like 50, 60, hundred years ago that were so meticulously trying to design these things that no one really cares about. Yeah. <laughs> like, like people, like the people who like some people like, oh yeah, that's a good pencil, but they don't appreciate what was put into them. And I find that interesting. I mean, I do that a lot with my work. I, I mean, you can see the process of my work on my Instagram, but when it's done and when it's in the gallery or, and it's on the wall, like you can't actually see what I did. Hmm. Like some of the frames that I build, like, cause I, I build like a lot of like sort of ornate frame, like giant frames for the work that I do. But like, I'll have this cross section of, of like wood molding that like took me so long to figure out how to do. And it was so painstaking. But by the time the, the, the work's done, it looks just like one piece of molding and nobody knows what it took <laughs> to put it together. And I sort of, but I sort of like that. I like that, that it keeps me humble because it means that, that I'm doing this for me. Yeah. And it's not for like, so it's not for recognition. It's just because I really like, like what I'm doing. So that's, I feel like that there's like sort of like this emotional uh, uh, connection between that and pencils to me. Yeah. 
That's cool. Yeah, I never really thought about how um, hackwings are are interesting because, like, the thing about pencils are they're you know they're a commodity, right? Like you like a like a nice fountain pen. People will often like switch out the nib or put like you know different different pieces onto it. Whereas with a a pencil, like usually you're just kind of like stuck with what you have, but not necessarily. Yeah, you can you can right. dissect and switch things around. I, I would love it if we get to a point in the future where we can like take out the core somehow and like put in put in oh different i don't think i don't think that's ever going to happen at least easily but uh yeah that's fun um, yeah, and i do i do like the absurdity of it i mean these pen- pencils i mean though it's going to run out like it's sort of like it's it's you're going to sharpen it to a nub and then it doesn't work anymore and it's i i like the absurdity of still like the initial design that the company put together, but then also like what I'm doing to them is like sort of adding to the the design and altering something that's finite. Yeah. um, Yeah. Again, it goes to like what I was saying with my work. It's like, that's how I know I'm doing it for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Well, the question I had here was how do pencils fit into your life and into your work? But I think you've talked about that quite a bit. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean the, the, one of the funniest things is people always like, Oh, can I see your sketchbook? And I was like, yeah, I don't have any sketchbooks <laughs> because I, you know, the way that my practice works. And again, if you look at my, my, I should say my artist, uh, Instagram, which is Jason underscore Patterson, um, is, uh, the, I really have a regimented and sort of like relatively conservative studio practice where it's all about, um, like, okay, I have a plan and I execute it. Um, I think a big influence or a surprising influence was, um, because again, I'm mean, live in Champaign in Urbana, Illinois, um, in the, the university of Illinois, which is a lot state, it's the largest university in Illinois. Um, it's an engineering school. And when I really started developing my practice, which is about 10 years ago, I was living in a house with, uh, with six other roommates and all of them were engineers. And wow. so I was like, Oh, that's how you work hard and efficiently. And so I took, I was, I took this, like how these engineers would work and applied it to my art practice. Hmm. So it's all about like, it's, there's no like, Oh, I'm just going to feel this and see what happens. Like I, that is the, that is not the kind of artist I am. I'm like, okay, here's a plan. I'm going to execute this plan. And so that's where like the pencils and the notebooks come in. So instead of having sketchbooks, like most artists do, I have tons and tons of mostly lectrums where I am taking notes, um, like drawing out plans for woodworking and, and, and other things. And, uh, and again, talking about like where, where that I'm mostly a history painter, um, 80, like 80% of the work that I do is actually reading and research. So I take so many notes. Yeah. Um, so writing pencils is like makes for my practice makes much more sense than, than, you know, drawing pencils, um, which I think sometimes makes people mad when I tell them, <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't have any sketchbooks. Uh, I don't really, not, yeah, all these pencils that are so elaborate, I just use them to write stuff. <laughs> how like, dare oh, you oh. <laughs> right that's usually kind of the rea- the same like the reaction to it yeah and also i should point that my grandfather uh was was an engineer and i i i'd like i like to think that and he also when he retired like he made art and so i'd like to think that that's sort of like sort of like a genetic influence maybe yeah um but yeah so yeah my i tell people all the time some my biggest influences were mechanical engineers that's awesome so now to to get to the hack wings could you tell us how you 
like what was your introduction to this concept of hack winging and kind of like why it captured your imagination how, how did you end up getting so deeply into it well again mike hagan sort of he showed me the erasable podcast and i think i think it was like right after there you guys released the stickers and i was like what's that <laughs> and uh he was like well let me show you um and I, i've been doing this doing this stuff so much that it's like i you know i've been thinking about this and i was like I, I can't remember exactly like the i can't remember the thoughts i had when i started doing it it took me so long to remember what the first one that i did was but hmm. um yeah, I think it was just that. And I think that it was just like the, you know, remaking a pencil and working with the, like trying to figure out the, like the aesthetic and the design of it is just sort of like kind of addicting. And it's, you know, I get a lot of questions on how I do it. And it's, I, I try so hard not to be condescending because for me, it's really easy, but I mean, it's sort of like woodworking. I mean, literally is, I mean, these are pieces of wood. So, uh, I understand I think I have a little bit more understanding because of all the woodworking I do is like how glue is going to work, how things are like the, I mean, these things are, it's such a scaled down sort of way of um, woodworking, but it is like, I definitely use those skills that I've developed in, in this thing, which is just, you know, putting different erasers on pencils. Yeah. Cool. So we always remember, you know, our first, so what was the, your first hack wing that you ever created? So it's remember. funny because I remember thinking it was the best hack wing ever. And it was like, <laughs> what's the, I'm done now. <laughs> but it was the, uh, it was the Mitsubishi, uh, the um, uh, 9800 uh, EW, the, the raw wood one. And I put uh, oh. a 20, uh, Blackwing 24 barrel on it. And I was like, oh, this is the coolest thing. <laughs> and it's all right. I have, I have one of those in front of me right now that I just, <laughs> that's like one of my favorites too. The, the 9852 EW and I just have like the gold blackwing feral. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love this thing. I've I've made several of these. So um, yeah, me too. I think you I think you did you did top out there at the beginning. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good choice. <laughs> so do you um when you're when you're thinking about this, do you just like you know just take the feral off a bunch of pencils and just start mixing and matching with ferals and erasers, or do you do you just sort of like you know, have a burst of inspiration and you're like, this is the one I'm going to do next. How do you, uh, how do you think about that? Um, well, I really like designing things. Um, and I kind of use that experience I've had in my own artwork to do this. Like, I mean, the design, the way that I sort of design, like which feral, which eraser and that kind of thing is really, it's just following the aesthetic that already exists. Um, so like if the, if the text on the pencil is silver, then you put like a, a number one or or a 54 ferrule on it um, and sort of like keep that sort of match going and, and, and you know, using complementary colors. Like if, if, if the pencil's green, you know, a red eraser might look really good on it. I mean, it's really simple stuff, but that's to me, that's the cool thing about design is like you can do stuff that's so simple and so straightforward and elementary, but it's still like the perfect thing. I mean, it kind of goes back to like the Midori notebooks, like they're, they're so simple, but it takes like, you know, real design understanding to know how to like, you know, pull that off and make it, make it really, um, look nice. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like what I use. Nice. Yeah. Just that, that skill set. Yeah. So we talked about the Wopex earlier and my personal problems with getting it to work. So what is the most 
technically difficult hackling you've ever like created in general. <laughs> <laughs> and well, what else, what's the most emotionally difficult? Emotionally difficult. <laughs> well, so uh, you guys might remember early on, I was tr experimenting with dyeing the feral. Yeah. 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 Color. Yeah, that never worked. I mean, it worked to where I could take a picture of it and it looked cool, but it, the, I mean, because it's metal and it's not porous, like it would just scratch off. Um, and I and I'm sure I could try to like keep experimenting and find something more permanent, but I kind of just like that's when it was going too far. <laughs> like how do you, the time consumed. How do you anodize stuff? Is what I wonder. Like how did I? Or how, how does how does one anodize aluminum? Like I assume, like that well, would be the I, best way to do it. Well, what I was doing was um, we at, at ArtCoop.SupplyStore, we have this, uh, we have just like this uh, general like dye that you can, it's mm. not just for fabric, you can dye other things. And I would just soak it in it. And mm. you, I would soak it in it, let it dry, then soak in it, soak in it again. And then they would start getting darker and darker. And it would look really nice, but like, you know, you scratch it with your fingernails, it comes right off. Um, so that one, uh, so that's, why it didn't really last long it was just it's really hard to do and it, and on top of that it wasn't really didn't really last yeah um the most emotional one was probably when i those uh oh the the, the yellow uh the yellow baron figs the ones that were like the the nod to ticonderogas uh -huh. we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier yeah uh, I, I dyed that green and but like i think there's just some moisture on my finger so when i was when i was like touching it i just i just like took the it was really hard to make and it looked good, but I just took some of the dye and just rubbed it down the side of the pencil. Oh, no. So, like, it was like, oh, this is ruined now. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was probably when I stopped dying. <laughs> like, this isn't going to work. And it's like a technically difficult one, too, to, like, carve out for the for the feral to go on and everything. I'm yeah, sure you know, it, again, that's process. where that, that woodworking sort of kicks in. Like, it's actually, I've really found a good system on when when... When a when a pencil already has an eraser on the back, you know it's already sort of like thinner in the back, so you can just slide it on for the most part. But when they don't when they don't come with one, you do have to sort of like shave off like a thirty seconds, an even thirty seconds of an inch, or maybe even like a sixteenth of an inch around around the uh, the back of the uh, of the wood. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, it you know then it was difficult because I had just started, but now I mean I can I do it real fast. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Um, so you've made a ton. I mean, if anybody's ever seen your Instagram feed, and if you haven't, you need to go find it. It's is it at hack underscore wing? Is that the wings? I think with an X. Wings. I think. Hack yeah. Under, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hack underscore wings. If you haven't seen that, please go check it out because it's amazing. It seems like you put one out every day. Yeah. Uh, so you've done a ton of them, but can you tell us about a few of the highlights, like a few of your favorite hack wings that you made? You've mentioned the the ninety eight ninety eight fifty two. Any other ones that like stick out that you you like enough that you're like, man, I just got to keep making these as long as I use this pencil. I got to keep making this combo. Yeah, um, I really like, like I mentioned before, the the um, general's drafting. Really like that one. Um, other ones, I really like the. Um, Let's see the the um, Tombow eighty nine hundred. That's like a good favorite. Uh, mm -hmm. My a, my actual favorite one, I think, is the the Kitabashi Super Drawing. Um, oh yeah, uh, the ninety ninety five hundred because like the I really like that dark dark 
like it's greenish blue like it's almost like a if you made a turquoise as dark as you could um and then the the gold text is you know it's kind of like bold so it stands out a little bit more so it really goes well with that um that gold ferrule um so that's probably my favorite one hmm. um and then i really like the the what is it the general's um the general's uh scribe that's a newer one i did that oh, i really yeah yeah i was just yeah. looking at your um the post you made today where uh, you traded somebody some hack wings for some uh, yeah. for some black wings, <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's a couple two elevens in in there in that trade. Yeah, I felt I almost felt guilty, but I was like, if you want anything else, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that you know, the person was really insistent on trading. Like, I have so many. Like, if you want to make a trade, I was like, well, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make you my favorite ones and really good ones. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a that was a nice trade. Those two elevens, I'm really excited about it i don't have these are my first two 11s and you uh you trimmed down the little um i don't even know what to call it the little clip that comes out of the side yeah of the, it's the real ferrule. unnecessary yeah it sure well, is yeah like because i really think it it it, it breaks the aesthetic of it yeah. like it like especially like on like the uh, for this example would be like the 24 um where it's every single thing is black except for the exposed wood at the point but then you have these two little like metal lips that actually don't like you can pull it out without them yeah. um the only way i've seen it where it actually kind of like the way it looks is i had an old uh one of those uh faber castell they're not like their sort of uh what are they called the um mecra i'm, I'm blanking um, on the name that. the ones hmm. that had the sort of the ferrule on the back they're like a like oh. a grayish blue uh-huh um those uh, Faber Castells, um, they they so they would have that silver sort of ferrule like the black wings, but there's little there's like some marks around around the at the bottom of it, and it looks older. Yeah, and so it kind of like it's not as smooth as these contemporary ones, so it looks it kind of fits that aesthetic. Um, I put well, I hacked one with like a super old uh, an eagle like uh, turquoise tubey. Yeah, and uh, that that works. I left I left those little flaps on that one but the other ones i just immediately cut them off <laughs> yeah that's uh something i'm thinking about from just doing myself just snipping those off and sticking them back in there yeah what are your um what are your current top three favorite pencils for you know performance or aesthetics or you know pre-hack winged what are your favorites oh but, oh not counting hack wings yeah um uh uh hagen's really gonna hate this but i still <laughs> love i still love that golden bear like I know it's scratchy, I know it's not soft, but I like it. Hey, that's my favorite uh, pencil too. I I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? I like the um, what is it? The Tombow um, uh, twenty five fifty eight is a good one. Mm. Um, I'm gonna, I'm no, I'm forgetting something here. Oh, the two new favorites that I really like is the Tombow. Um, gotta grab all these pencils and look at them. Um. <laughs> The uh, oh the Mono 100 really yeah. like that. And then the the Mitsubishi Mitsubishi uh, the the their, uh, the Uni mm-hmm. like I really I really like those. Those are the I think those are the ones that I can. And I, I like Midori, even though it's pretty soft. The Midori Midori's pencil. Yeah. Um, I do like I did, I really like the design of that. The matte white, even though it's really easy for it to get dirty, but it's, I really like that 
their minimalism. Yeah. Johnny, I didn't hear uh, Wilpex in there at all. <laughs> he texted at me. Texted me. He said, I'm not going to mention it, but I love it. That's my secret okay, top favorite. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what is your like super dream pencil? And also, would you hack wing it? Um, you mean like if I could make up any pencil? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh gosh. Um, well, you know, a pencil that I really liked. I don't know if I have a dream pencil. I mean, I think it would be something I'd have to I guess a dream pencil would be one that I designed. Like if like if, you know, Blackwing decided to let me design a volume, like I think that would be awesome. Oh, yeah. That idea. I don't know what it would be, but that idea would be is like a dream. Um I really like uh it's almost more like I want to like. I'm not into it right now, but I do. I've always liked the idea of the raw wood pencils. Um, if you've ever watched that sci-fi show, The Expanse, um, mm. I recommend it. At least I recommend the first season. I haven't watched the second season, but uh, it's you know I think like a hundred years in the future or something. And one of these, one of the politicians in it is is old and he's unique where he uses wood pencils. No, I mean every, everything's like a pad. Um, and there are just a piece of glass, I should say. But he had these wood pencils that were just like, they look like sort of the Thoreau pencil, but they're blank. Um, but the cool thing about it is that the back of it was a USB. So you just touch it on the screen and it like would open up like all these files. But I, hmm. I do like just the plain raw wood pencils sometimes. You know, it, it depends on my mood, I guess. Yeah. So what do you think about the current trend in stripping the paint? off yeah. black wings maybe we use like the acetone and stripping them because i feel like as far as hack winging goes that's like the next frontier is to, <laughs> is to start right. like doing like all those kinds of wacky things and and paint like stripping them and repainting them and all <laughs> and, and all that like what do you what are your thoughts about that yeah that's a really super interesting thing and it really goes back to what i was saying about how complicated simple design can be because i i was like when Mike told me about it, I was like, oh man, this is amazing. <laughs> and I tried it. I did it on a golden bear and I was just like, I don't even really like this. And I was like, <laughs> and it's just like, you know, when you, when you strip it off, you realize like, again, how the s simplest things are so important until, and you don't notice them until they're gone. But when, when it's just this raw wood and there's no text on it, it just makes it fall. Like, I mean, you can see the indentations, but it still makes it fall flat. Like it's like you actually yeah. do need some text on that, that raw wood. Um, I've been really busy with like my actual studio practice, so <laughs> I haven't really gotten to explore it, but I'm, I think I'm going to mess with some of these general barreled, like round barreled ones yeah. and, uh, and see where it goes. But I'm sure, I mean, I want to at least make one look good. Um, so I'll eventually get to that ex experimentation. And also when you when you have a painted pencil like they don't worry too much about trying to like match up the wood grains or making them making the two sandwiched like wood pieces look the same so often they just look super crappy yeah. and cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's, it's an interesting thing like it's not what I would expect. Yeah. Like I thought it would just be again, it's like where you really see how important design is. Yeah. That's a good. It's a good yeah. That's a good point. Um Jason we're probably just about to to button up is is there anything that you that we didn't cover that you want to you want to mention um either about hack wings or, or anything else in this this process no, you know i don't yeah i don't think so it's been it's been fun yeah, yeah this is I, I think i've covered all the cool things i think about yeah about pencils 
I wish um I wish we would have we would have known you back in the um Plumbago two days when we actually did a whole issue about hack wings and just to, like an extended interview and that would have been really great. Um Yeah, so um yeah, I guess we can uh, we can button it up there. Anything else anybody wants to mention, Johnny or Tim? Don't think so. Yeah. Cool. Well Jason, thank you so much for taking some time and hanging out with us today. Um, do you do you have anything to plug before we sign off, or where can people find you on the internet? Well, um, the best way to find my pencil stuff is uh, hack underscore wings on Instagram. And then if you want to see all the artwork that I make, or, or mostly the the process of the artwork I make, um, you can see it at my other Instagram, which is Jason underscore Patterson. Awesome. And um, Johnny, where can people find you on on the web? You can find me at PencilRevolution.com and on Twitter and Instagram at PencilUshin. <laughs> PencilUshin. <Yeah. laughs> Tim, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Tim Wassum and I'm on Instagram at Timothy Wassum. Cool. And I am uh, Andy Wellfley. I am on Twitter at A Wellfley and on Instagram as the same. All right. This has been episode 96 of the Erasable Podcast. Uh, you can find a uh, link to show notes. Um, well, I'm sorry. You can find show notes and this recording at erasable.us slash 96. Um, find more of our website at erasable.us. If you want to come join the most fun um, online community ever, um, not exaggerating here, go to facebook.com slash groups slash erasable. Um, we, um, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash erasable, and we are on Twitter and Instagram at erasablepodcast. And come find us on iTunes or Overcast or wherever wherever podcasts are found. You know, somebody pointed out to me the other day, like, like, why do you say that, like, you know, find us on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found? Because obviously they're listening to this podcast, so they know where this podcast is found. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll stop saying that. So uh, thank you again, Jason, for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, and, and thank you, Johnny and Tim, for joining us. And we will talk to you all uh, in a couple of weeks. The intro music for the Erasable Podcast is graciously provided by This Mountain, a collaborative folk rock band from Johnson City, Tennessee. You can check out their music at www.thismountainband.com. Gate captures me with one.